Well, a very blessed Pentecost Sunday to all of you. We're in the final hours of our 50-day Easter season. Uh, so we're coming to a close. Of course, Pentecost Sunday, the focus, the great gift of God, the Holy Spirit, to us. Oftentimes with Pentecost, with Holy Spirit, we tend to, or at least I do anyway, tend to think of two primary sacraments where we receive God, the Holy Spirit, in a most powerful way. One, baptism, where you, at your baptism, became a temple of who? A temple of God, the Holy Spirit. His new dwelling place isn't just in the world. His new dwelling place is the souls of the baptized, temples of the Holy Spirit. Secondly, confirmation, what happens? That presence of the Holy Spirit is strengthened, increased through the sacrament of confirmation. I'm not sure if you remember when you were confirmed. I was confirmed on February 1st, 2004, 17 years ago, literally half my lifetime ago. You can do the math really quick, what that means. Uh, February 1st, 2004 was Super Bowl Sunday. Super Bowl Sunday. Uh, the Patriots beat the Panthers 32-29, to 29, in case you're wondering. I don't remember that Super Bowl. I think I was so overcome with the Holy Spirit that I just went into a mental block. But uh, that's what happened on February 1st, 2004. The reason I mentioned my confirmation date is our bishop at the time was Bishop Zipfel. And he was known during his confirmation homilies for coming down to the center and drilling the confirmandi with questions about confirmation. So we were told beforehand, just so you know, Bishop Zipfel likes to ask questions during his homily, be ready to answer them. Well, I was the second reader, which meant I was sitting in the first row center aisle. He comes down for his homily, and the first question he asks is directed to me. He says, young man, can you tell me, before you're confirmed, what are the seven gifts of the Holy Spirit? Can you name them? My face turned as red as this vestment. I just drew a blank. He then said, okay, <laughs> tried to help me out. Can you name one? He didn't say it quite like that. Can you name one? I couldn't do it. How embarrassing. Gonna get confirmed and I couldn't name one gift of the Holy Spirit? Well, don't worry front row, center aisle, I'm not coming down there. But I'll turn it around. How about you? How would you do if I asked? Hear that rightly, okay? I'm not condemning you. But I just want to share that I struggled with that. The seven gifts of the Holy Spirit, everyone, are really important to know. And I'll explain why at the end. Can you name them? The goal of this homily is that when you drive home tonight, you can name them. And not only name them, understand them. I'm doing something this weekend I haven't done before with Pentecost. I just want to give a brief, let's call it a catechetical homily on the seven gifts of the Holy Spirit, about one minute each. We'll go straight through, and so you can do the math. We're almost done about 10 minutes from now, okay? A um, couple words firstly before I list them for you. What are the gifts of the Holy Spirit? They're gifts from God. They come to us, yes, through baptism. Okay. They come to us, yes, through confirmation. But they're also offered to us when? All the time. You already have them in you. When does the Holy Spirit come? Whenever you ask. Did you know that? That whenever you say, come Holy Spirit, he can do nothing else other than come. Come Holy Spirit increases the gifts of the Holy Spirit within us. Secondly, 
The names I'm going to present to you of the seven gifts of the Holy Spirit weren't invented by a bunch of old bishops and cardinals sitting in Rome trying to come up with smart words to use for these realities. They actually go all the way back to the book of the prophet Isaiah, 600 B.C. And Isaiah said that the Messiah would possess in all fullness these seven gifts, which means then the perfect possessor of the seven gifts of the Holy Spirit is who? Jesus. He has them. We share in them through our baptism. So what are they? Wisdom, knowledge, understanding, fortitude, counsel, piety, fear of the Lord. How'd you do? I didn't even look down. Seven gifts of the Holy Spirit. Number one, wisdom. St. Thomas Aquinas has the best definition of wisdom out there. It is, he said, the view from the hilltop. Imagine a military leader before we had tanks and jeeps. What did they oftentimes do preparing for battle? They found the high ground. Why? So they could see the enemy coming. So they could see the lay of the land. Where might the enemy be hiding? Where are some weak spots? When are they coming? They found the high ground. Wisdom is the high ground. The view from the hilltop, as Aquinas says. Now, what does that mean? What is the highest ground out there? Well, God. So what wisdom is, is the God perspective. The faith perspective. Let me explain. Everyone, think of all the different lenses through which you see your life and the world. You have your financial lens, your work lens, your education lens. We have our sports lens. We have our political lens. We have all kinds of lenses, don't we, through which we see not only the world, but ourselves. What wisdom is, is putting on the God lens, the faith lens. What is God's perspective toward my life? What is God's perspective towards my family? Even, what is God's perspective toward the suffering that I'm going through? Whatever it might be, wisdom is putting on the God lens. View from the hilltop, number one, wisdom. Number two, knowledge. Knowledge. What is knowledge? It is knowing the truths about your faith. It's knowing the truth about our faith. Last Sunday morning, we at the 9 a.m. Mass here at St. Mary's honored all of our senior graduates. We have over 50 seniors from this parish who are graduating from one of our area high schools either today or sometime this next couple weeks. 50 of them, we invited them. We had about 20 show up. We had Mass for them. They came to the 9 o'clock Mass. Some of you were there. And then we had brunch afterwards. I got a chance to say a few things to them. And one of the things I said to our new seniors, or our new graduates, I should say, was this about knowledge. I said, we as preachers and teachers of the faith have unfortunately, over the last 50 years, tended to dumb down the faith. We have a tendency at times of dumbing down the faith. What do I mean by that? If you think about what a senior in high school learns in different academic disciplines, let's say English, what are they reading in English? They are reading primary sources like Shakespeare and Charles Dickens. They are having to have commentaries to say, what in the world is William Shakespeare saying here? They have to have conversations about it, dialogue, questions, diving in deeply. High school English, 
math, they're doing functions, statistics, can't even say it, trigonometry, calculus, physics. I could go through every academic discipline and what seniors in high school do, what we ask of them is high-flying stuff. Then when it comes to the faith, what do we do? Act like they're children learning kindergarten. We have totally dumbed it down. Now, hear this rightly. What I don't mean is this. Does the faith need to be understandable and accessible when we teach it? Yes. But everyone, why are we dumbing it down so badly? When we have a question about a teaching of the faith, maybe even a controversial moral thing, what do we tend to do? Nothing. We don't dive into it at all. The church is teaching about X, Y, or Z. I hear about it on Fox News. I hear it about it on CNN. I hear about it through a friend, a coworker, and I do nothing to learn about it? Come on. Let's learn the faith. Let's defend it. Especially these controversial moral teachings. There's all kinds of reliable sources out there, everyone. We have Real Presence Radio, EWTN, incredible Catholic authors and commentaries, stuff in the gathering space. If there's something you don't know about the faith, let's learn it. Knowledge. The last five are really quick. The first two were the big ones. Number three, understanding. Okay. If knowledge is intellectual understanding of the faith, understanding, the gift of understanding, is heartfelt understanding of the faith. Right? They say that the longest distance in the world are the six inches from your head to your heart. That tends to be true with the faith, isn't it? The faith, everyone, is not just meant to be an intellectual exercise. The faith is meant to be a heartfelt experience of the presence of God. We as Catholics tend to say external, go through the motions, go through the gestures. Has it gone here? Is it heartfelt? Understanding, level of the faith, heart. Number four, fortitude. Ever wonder where we get the word fortress? Ever wonder where we get the word fort? From fortitude, a place of strengthening, a place of defense. A person who has the gift of fortitude knows how to defend the faith, live the faith, love the faith. Fortitude, gift of the Holy Spirit. Number five, counsel. What is counsel? Well, we kind of know this one. Counsel, everyone, is practical wisdom practical wisdom. Have you ever met anyone, and maybe you have these people in your life, where you're in a situation and you need some advice, so you go to them and you say, how did you think of that? That is incredible advice. I'm going to do it. Why do they have that gift? Because they have the gift of counsel. The example I like to use is imagine a quarterback on the field. What happens when he gets the ball? He's having to adjust Adapt, read the lay of the land, practical wisdom, who's open, who's running what play, so on and so forth. Counsel, practical wisdom. Number six, piety. Piety. If I were to ask you, are you a pious person? You probably want to say, I hope not. I hate pious people. Piety, everyone, is oftentimes misunderstood tremendously. It's a gift of the Holy Spirit that talks about, that points to the way we show reverence toward that which is sacred, okay? 
That's what piety is. Do I have a reverence toward the things of God? How is piety expressed? Expressions, attitudes, body language, posture, all those things. Piety, reverence toward the sacred. We want to have it. Finally, fear the Lord. Fear the Lord, everyone, is not some terrified feeling of being inferior to God. What fear the Lord is, is a deep and abiding presence, reverence, and awe toward God. Is God my greatest good? I've oftentimes said this about God. Whatever our understanding of it is in our own minds, it is nowhere close to the reality, to the bigness, the grandeur of God. We need to have the humility to say, I am totally dependent on him. Totally dependent on him. Without him, my life's a mess. That's fear the Lord. Seven gifts of the Holy Spirit. Who knew they could be so much fun on a beautiful Sunday May evening? Last thing is this. I keep saying you have them. Yes, you do. They're gifts. What happened to gifts? They need to be opened. They need to be stirred up. They need to be invoked. If you want one of those gifts I just said because you're saying, you know what, I don't have them. What do we do? Ask God to increase the gift. He has given us seven of them through baptism, confirmation, through the Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Increase your sevenfold gifts in us so that your church may be equipped. Your church may be built up for the salvation of souls and may it start in our own souls.